Hi everyone, welcome to Of Bajor Episode 6. Today we'll be covering the episodes Venegas and Vortex. First up is Venegas. The plot of this involves the Deep Space Nine is visited by the Grand Negus Zek, the leader of the Ferengi Alliance. There he announces that he's going to step down and appoints Quark as the new Grand Negus. Quark's joy, however, soon fades as he realizes that as Grand Negus, he is a target for any Ferengi who wants the job himself. I, I really like the Ferengi episode, so I, I'm, I'm just excited to talk about this one and, and talk about them in general. This is the first Ferengi episode. Maybe we should talk because I think, at least from what I've read, I guess when at least when they're aired, I guess they were a little, I don't know if I say controversial, but I guess some people I know don't didn't like the Ferengi apps. Yeah, I, I, I feel like there's this review site Ex Astra Scientia that I I just read this guy's Star Trek reviews and they're in general they're pretty good. His his website is ex astrascientia.com. Yeah, that's a site that um they cover all the ships and even like how like he invented like a bunch for like, you know, in the past and for areas we haven't seen. Yeah, a lot of just incredibly detailed Star Trek info. Um and that guy Every Frankie episode, he just talks about how much he doesn't like him. And it, it kind of blows my mind because even growing up, I liked them. It, it, it just seems like such a nice contrast between the rest of the show, which is generally pretty serious. And all the Frankie episodes are, they're funny. And yeah. the characters do things that they wouldn't otherwise do. And it honestly, it seems like the Frankie episodes are kind of the most human out of most of the of the stories, I think. What do you guys think? One reason made a lot of people like they're very broad in humor. They are kind of like, you know, different in tone than like the average episode, like you said. And they're kinda of like they're humorous, but they're also kinda of like very broad and I know some people don't like that. I also wonder if it's maybe it seems like the Ferengi episode tend to be more isolate I, well it seems like a lot of Ferengi episode we just it just focuses on the Ferengi. So, yeah. you know, I should say, so, like, if you, if you, you know, so I imagine some may be disappointed that, like, if it's a friend, okay, that means we're not going to see, Sis we're not really going to see Cisco or Orion or, because I think some, I think, I don't know, I get thinking, like, probably some of the episodes have subplots, but for most, like, it's a Ferengi episode, you're just dealing with Ferengi. Yeah, but, but they do kind of form their own, it's like a sub-series in, yeah. in the show, because they, they keep introducing more and more Ferengi characters until until there's kind of like this little sub world of of the Ferengi every time there's a Ferengi episode. I, I like I like that. Yeah. I like Zach and uh Brunt and their their mom and all that. And uh, it becomes kind of interesting. But yeah, it is like broad broad sort of like uh, sitcom plots as opposed to the usual Star Trek plot. Later on it, I feel like they kind of integrate a little bit more into the into the rest of the series. There's there's that episode where they're dealing with the Vorta and stuff. Yeah, I think that and, might be my favorite one. Yeah, that, I think that's the best one. And so I, th I think they kind of trend away, away from that a little bit later on. But yeah, right now they're they're kind of isolated. But really, there, there's so many episodes that are just one-offs that don't really contribute to the to rest of the series. So at least, at least like you said, Wrangle, the Ferengi episodes are, they're kind of continuous between each other. I, I like uh, I like the the psycho killer guy who, who shows up later on and there there's a lot of weird stuff in this one we we've talked about Rom a few times so far in the podcast and how his character is just not really there yet and this this one is just like the the biggest example of how Rom is like not Rom yet you mean Rom wouldn't try to kill quark and cold blood <laughs> in season seven <laughs> yeah it's just so weird that they that they that they did that i don't think they decided that rom was going to be like the rebellious uh like soft-hearted ferengi i think he was just like a stooge that was yeah. all they had it's like how morn was like in the lynch mob for odo in episode two yeah like it's obviously like once we got to know these characters more like that they wouldn't have done that. Yeah, and we all know that Odo and Morn are great friends, <laughs> as evidenced by their five-paragraph entry uh, in the relationship section on Memory Alpha. <laughs> Morn, 
Morn and Odo. <laughs> oh, I'm, gl I'm glad that you read that. I don't know what it is, but I just get sucked into reading Memory Alpha. I, I, I feel like, you know, obviously I think I'd do it a little bit more now than I'm I on it right was now, before. Like, the episodes, just bring up some stuff later. But man, like, I, I just remember, you know, one day I, I'd just be at work and I would think about something Star Trek related and be like, you know, I wonder, I wonder what happened to, to the Borg after blah, blah, blah. And I'd spend like three hours reading Memory Alpha about whatever and end up reading about Keiko O'Brien and some bullshit. Yeah, I don't I, know. I'm kind of, but I kind of go, I spend a lot of time on Memory Beta, which is like memory, if you don't. That's like Memory Alphabet, takes into account the spinoff stuff, the books and the comics and everything. Yeah. So that's like neat because... Because that's I stuff guess, you don't know. Yeah. There's something... I, there, there's definitely something comforting to just reading material ab about things that you already know. I don't know what it is. Maybe, that, maybe that's some kind of like tendency. It's just like, oh, I, I want to know more about this thing that I definitely already know about. And you just read the the Wikipedia article on Ferengi, even though you know everything that's ever happened about the Ferengi. Yeah, that's how I tend to go to yeah memory beta because it's like mention some dumb thing in a book that I would never accept as canon. There's a character here in this episode, Crax, who's who's Zek's son. His fail son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Ferengi fail son. I I guess Rom would kind of end up being a fail son too. Yeah. Well, yeah, he is he is the fail son, but then it 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 turns out that uh, Quark's dad was also a bit of a of a fail dad, yeah. and Rom is more in line with that. Oh yeah, that's why I mentioned Cracks is played by Lou Wagner, who probably not like a famous actor, but he's known for me because he was in the original Planet of the Apes. Oh cool. Yeah, where he was um an ape Lucius who basically like he was supposed to be like the chimp. The eight version of like you know like a dropout college student hippie guy who helps um Charlton Heskin he helps um Charlton Heskin escape being lobotomized and castrated. Good for him. Crax is really just never mentioned ever again in the rest of the yeah. series. I, I wonder why that is. Well, he's not as interesting as Zach or anything. So there's not really any reason you need to break. They pop like a plot with him or something. He basically gets cucked out of his dad because he, because uh, Zach basically becomes Quark's dad. Yeah, he spent way more time with Quark and Rom basically than. Damn, Mister Steelio Dad. Because <laughs> he marries her mom, so he kind of eventually becomes their dad too. Yeah, exactly. So like, he's probably like that could have been an episode of, like him trying to kill Quark and Nog out of jealousy. Quark and Rom, you know, because his dad likes them. They better. really should have just had way more Ferengi episodes, maybe even a Ferengi spinoff series. <laughs> that that's that's what should have happened. There's Voyager, still time. Yeah, just they should have just Voyager should have never happened. It They're all just still all alive. About... Armin Shimmerman is still alive. You won't be able to tell he's old under the makeup. True. Make a Quark series. We've still got a couple weeks until Discovery airs. Scrap <laughs> it. You can put it together, CBS. Put together all your resources. A lot of times you see, a lot of times I see an actor on a like on a TV show or movie. And I think it's just like, oh, that person would make a good Ferengi. <laughs> Do you guys ever think that? Like, you know, like, usually take a short kind of actor, or he just has a look like, yeah, he could be a Ferengi. I think it like when I wake up in the morning. <laughs> it's not not like in a positive way or anything. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely felt that a few times myself. I always thought that when I was talking House, it was like. He was like one of the. I, I know what character you're talking. About. Yeah, he was like one of the new assistants. He was, I forget. He's his name. like a plastic surgeon. He's like a little short guy. Yeah. I yeah. Remember. I thought, but yeah, I remember like he'd be a good Ferengi. <laughs> Maybe they'll make an appearance yeah. in the future. Nog drops out of school, and Jake is being suspicious about that or something, in that nature. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's. I guess like, yeah. Nog Nog tries to tell O'Brien that Vulcans stole his homework, and why does O'Brien have to have time to be a substitute teacher? Isn't he the chief of engineering? I don't know. He he just gets back from vacation and he has to be a substitute teacher in the school his wife started, but that's not an official Starfleet duty. Seems like a 
big waste of time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely not important at all. And in fact, something that just that Keiko just cooked up because she was bored. Yeah. It's like the same. Well, it's like the same as you said, of like why they send like Odo, like Odo's job is to be security of a ship, but he goes off investigating several plants and stuff to. Which he know, does in the next episode that we're yeah. about to talk about. Yeah, but he does that as a course of his security officer duties. Okay. okay. I think. Maybe. <laughs> I thought it was kind of weird that none of the non-Ferengi characters don't really seem to be treat this as a big deal. That, like, you know, one, like, the leader of, like, you know, an important Alpha Quadrant power is, like, at their station. And then that he steps down and names the per- their bartender, like, the le- new leader, like, no one else, like, none of the cute non-Frankie characters really seem to, you know, I mean, they're concerned, like, yeah. okay, about Quark's safe. They don't really seem to be like, wow, Quark's, like, an important person now. Yeah, like, that's, that, that is really pretty seem- weird. Yeah, Odo kind of just dismisses it, and I don't think anyone else even knows or mentions it. Yeah, that, it would probably would have been nice to see, like, Cisco being like, you know, what? Quark is now the leader of an entire, like, race or something like that you know like just having some kind of perspective from the rest of the of the crew or the federation about like what's going on with this because i kind of get the impression the ferengi are are kind of powerful like yeah i I guess they're they're like they're treated as like a joke but they seem like they they have their hands in a lot of stuff and are a pretty significant like you know economic power at least i mean i don't think they're yeah i think they're probably not like like, a superpower besides, like, the Federation, Romulans, Klingons. But, like, I mean, they're probably at least... But I think they're, like, one of the second-tier ones. Like, you're probably with, like, the Tholians and Gorn, at least. You know, so, yeah, they should, like... Well, it's another example with Quark, as always points out, like, the prejudice gets the Ferengi. It's, like, you know, they think, like, the Ferengis are to joke. Who cares that Quark's leader of them? Who cares that the leader's here? Just... Yeah, it's pretty sad. And, and again, it just shows kind of like the, the cultural dominance of the Federation and, and the other superpowers. Yeah. Does anyone else think it's impressive that Nog went from being illiterate to being an officer in Starfleet in like a year and a half? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, maybe they do. Yeah, they got they do have four-lobed brains. And I, I was thinking about that too. Like, you know, how could he have... The question of how he could even be doing the job that he's doing without being able to read, because they're they're always using pads and stuff, you know, for inventory or whatever. And, you know, it seems like at least, you know, in our modern world, there's so many like voice interfaces that are coming out and they're not that great yet. But you would assume by the, you know, by the 24th century that they would get that pretty much perfect. And maybe it would just be entirely possible to live like in a you know a society like that where the technology is so advanced that you could just talk to it and maybe you wouldn't really need to read because you could just have it read to you well he's supposed to write an entire report but i i guess just dictation is fine yeah picard and cisco and and them they they all talk their reports you know they tell it to siri aka uh majel barrett yeah Majel Roddenberry. Well, it's like how, I guess it's like how, you know, they make kids learn cursive, even though, you know, we don't use it. Like, maybe they think, like, the Federation thinks, like, oh, it's important for people to read, even if we don't need to. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they clearly probably need to read, because there's, like, control panels and stuff everywhere, and, you know, obviously, it seems like it'd be pretty hard to, to actually do anything without reading. I was just kind of theorizing how it would even be possible to get by yeah. Plus, Without. they could end up in, like, some of those planets where, like, technology doesn't work or whatever. Or some, you know, all those things that can make technology, like, go out. So they yeah. need to, like, probably good to be prepared for that situation. That sounds like the kind of wacky adventure only those Federation ships would get into. <laughs> Landing on the planet with no technology. But maybe the Klingons make a big deal about having to read? <laughs> I would assume so. And I think later in the show, like, um, uh, Zek is, like, uh, disgusted to hear that Rom is going to school. But it's like, uh, wouldn't Ferengi, like, value education of, of, of men, at least, of boys? Like, 
How are you going to become a, a business magnate without basic schooling? Yeah. Was it like it was a non-Ferengi school? Yeah, it was a human school. Issue? Not that it was like, like, not that he was going to school, just but like he wasn't going to like a Ferengi school, but like a school with like ever races and taught by a female. So is Rom just like a deadbeat parent? Well, it's made later, no, but he was like, I mean, I guess they, I mean, maybe that was like the idea now. I mean, we later learned that like he fell in love with the, with um, some woman and that she and her and his father-in-law basically like took advantage of him. But yeah, me that was the idea. I don't know. That might have been the idea at the beginning, though, that he was like, that he was a deadbeat or something. Rom can definitely read, right? Because he had to do all that engineering stuff. Yeah. Unless he learned too. Did Jake teach Rom how to read? <laughs> Probably knew how to. Did Lita least... teach Rom how to read? Yeah. Oh no. I'll just assume yes. I'll just assume that Jake's teaching. Yeah, it, that's just his. It just becomes his thing, teaching Ferengi how to read. Did Vic Fontaine teach Quark to read? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We should talk about like obviously, you know, I, I I don't I wonder if he was like designed to be Zach was you know made with the intention of like being a recurring character, or if they were just because impressed by like Wall of Sean because obviously he does a really great performance. Yeah, he's he's incredible. Just a really, really funny guy, and the the portrayal of that character, I, he's he's definitely one of the best characters in DS9, and if he weren't, they wouldn't bring him back so often. He's cool because he's like a cartoon character brought to life. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. the whole Ferengi episodes, I guess it's just because, like, most of the characters are in such heavy makeup that they almost seem like, you know, it, it turns into, like a, like, a fantasy show or, like, one of these things. It's like where... I don't I don't know how to describe it. It becomes because usually in every Star Trek episode, it's mostly humans or mostly humans and aliens that look exactly like humans. Uh, in the Ferengi episodes, it becomes really kind of like fun and alien, like with Zach, who's basically like a big like Muppet with with hair coming out of him, and, and yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of fun. Yeah, I was, I was watching when I'm watching it, like how much how long it must have took on to get that makeup on him. Because it's a pretty elaborate makeup, like, you know, all the wrinkles and hairs yeah, and everything. I remember hearing back in the day that, you know, when Michael Dorn was getting his makeup put on him, it, like, took, like, two two or three hours in the morning every day. Seems kind of crazy. I yeah. mean, how long are they working? Maybe 12 hours, 16 hours, something like that, yeah. and half of it's getting your makeup put on? I think, like, for my read, usually I think it probably went down as they went along and got, you know, more used to. Because I think from my read that that tends to, that tends to happen. But, like, as they go along, it gets easier to, like, know how to put on the makeup enough more. But, yeah, but even so, like, especially, yeah, for Zek, like, at least this episode, I'll see how he does. But at least, yeah, it looks like it's a fairly detailed makeup job. This, this episode makes me, just, like, thinking about the Ferengi in general makes me... I don't know. It just kind of que- makes me question, in general, the the attitudes about the writers and the attitudes of the writers and like what they were going for. I mean, clearly, Star Trek has always had kind of a, you know, like the the leftist kind of slant. Yeah. But there's there's something about the fact that even even in the the episodes which which try to which play with the Ferengi and you know they're focused on them. A lot of times, it seems like the writers go out of their way to make them seem a little bit more nefarious than they would really have to. Like, in in this episode, there's the scene when they're in the conference room, and Zek's explaining to everyone about how the, the Gamma Quadrant is the future of Ferengi business. And he was saying, oh yeah, the, the problem is our reputation here in the Alpha Quadrant isn't that great because everyone, you know, they talk shit about us, etc., etc. Later on, when he's like, yeah, and if we go to the, the Gamma Quadrant, no one there is going to know who we are, so we won't have a reputation. And then one of the other guys, I don't know if it's Cracks or someone, they're like, yeah, our word will be our bond until we decide to break it. Which is funny. It's like a funny thing to say, and like that kind of it paints the picture of the Ferengi as, yeah, they're they're basically exactly like what people say that they're like. But 
I, I feel like that's almost kind of it just it's so heavy handed. It almost seems like you could have gotten away with the whole episode being almost exactly the same in tone and just as good without like actually implying that oh yeah well the all of the Ferengi are exactly as bad as the Fering as the Federation thinks that they are. There's just like some some weird like judgmental quality about it that that always kind of bugged me where yeah I mean clearly the Federation in the show judge the Ferengi as being bad but it's sometimes it, it seems like the writers you know they, they they're not they're not that forgiving either well those these are like the the the, the top of the Ferengi society the elite so they're they're gonna be like the most cutthroat. Yeah, that's true. And and they they probably I don't know if it's that they hadn't decided to soften the Ferengi and kind of like make it more gray and and show like well you know the Ferengi aren't great but you're kind of there are some things that the Federation is hypocritical about too or yeah. if it's like uh, they wanted to basically they're still kind of introducing the Ferengi even though they're that's like, true yeah, because Ferengi, I think the Ferengi but... that was a big like I think they. The Ferengi are still kind of thought of as, at this point, maybe they, the Ferengi were still like, like, you know, like one of the Federation's enemy rate, like, races like the Romulans and, you know, and obviously like, well, you know, we talked about like, you know, obviously they were created to be like the new Klingons, but like after, and you know, obviously that was like dropped pretty quickly, but they still were like villains, but just like they were used as for comic episodes. They were yeah. kind of just used for, like, um, you know, the one with one that Troy's mother or the one with her turned to little kids. So, but so I think like, we're still like, you know, it's like still early. So I guess they, obviously like Quark is sketchy, but he's not like, you know, the, but he's not like evil. Like, you know, the Ferengi, you know, like the guy who's blames Picard, wants to kill Picard for killing his son or whatever. Yeah. If he's not like that villainous, but I guess we're still making the, and they kind of have, I mean, it's compared to like, because remember, like, in Encounter of Farpoint, like, Picard implies that the Ferengi, it's implied that the Ferengi eat their part, people they partner with. Because, like, Yeah, the, that's ridiculous. Yeah, because, like, the guys, like, the people at Farpoint, they're saying, well, they're, they're saying, well, we may go with the Ferengi, and, they'll, and Picard says, well, I hope they find you as delicious as their last. So it's like, they're already have gotten, like, kind of yeah, bad. Picard's I mean, I a think, racist. Yeah. <laughs> I think if like a book any of character that, point that Picard has is that he's racist. Yeah, actually, there's a book. <laughs> I know, like, there's a book that explains that by saying that, like, Zek, like, when he heard the Federation, he was like, he figured that because they they don't have money, he figured they were insane, and so he decided to like, and so he had like a bunch of rumors about them. Frankie started to like make them seem much more fearsome. I, I love how in all of the like the non-canon material they always take such like great care to like explain every little tiny like hole or like situation that doesn't line up they're like oh okay like we we gotta we gotta take this thing and and make it make total sense within the context of the uh of the star trek universe it's just it's really funny to me that they do that and also sometimes it just seems like it's, it, the the links that they go to are so elaborate that it almost it makes sense why the, a lot of that stuff didn't become canon because it's just so over the top. You you want you want to see some of that? You should you should. There's a there's a subreddit called a, a Daystrom Institute. <laughs> yeah, where, I've seen that. Yeah, where they you basically ever like they posit questions about Star Trek and various things and. Everyone answers like really super seriously, like trying to like you know justify things in the show and like why it would be like this and uh, yeah, they go to extreme lengths there. <laughs> well, I mean the show itself. I mean not this, not DS Nine, but obviously Star Trek eventually like did a an Enterprise did a, a two part to explain why the Klingons look different in Teal in the original series than they do in the other one. So. Yeah, even the original series, even the series does it does that kind of stuff sometimes. That's I like the the for some reason the the Ferengi use chopsticks. I don't know why. I 
I I never noticed that before, but oh, the Ferengi f- for some reason seem to be like one of the only Alpha Quadrant races that uses chopsticks to eat. I totally didn't notice. That must have just buzzed right past me every time I've seen it. But now you're right because they use them to eat the bugs, the two bugs. Yeah. Oh, huh. I wonder why they made that decision. I guess it's just a way of making them seem exotic or something. I've probably been watching too much anime. That's why I didn't notice. And to me, Ferengi (laughs) episodes are very much like anime. It was just great. Oh, man. Ferengi anime. That'd be be amazing. Yes. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, you were talking about Memory Alpha earlier. According to that, the original conception for this episode was... Uh, it wasn't going to be a Ferengi yet, but it was going to involve, like, a crime lords of various races, like, including the Ferengi, as well as um, Klingon, Vulcan, Romulan, I guess, probably some new ones, too. Probably some other familiar faces. Coming to the station to join forces to establish a new crime, criminal league, or criminal syndicate. A Vulcan huh. crime lord? Yeah, I guess that's the idea. It was, like, the crime lords <laughs> of all the races. Of all the races. Well, I mean, we know Vulcans can be, you know, we know Vulcans, you can be logical, but can still be evil. Yeah, but it would be so easy to figure out a Vulcan crime lord schemes, like, if you <laughs> were a Vulcan. So all, they all just think like robots. Yeah. And they don't really seem to lie, or worst case scenario, you just mind meld and be like, oh, okay, you're the crime lord. Yeah. But anyway, but Criminal Syndicate <laughs> League, like, that sounds like it could have been interesting episode in fact they could have done this and the Vegas since that's like for different enough i think that, yeah i think so i don't want to see it they they do the orion syndicate later yeah sounds later. like the same idea but, and uh i didn't like that so yeah i don't know we need to like see a bunch of like i think we need to see like the crime lords of various like like what a klingon crime lord is like and but a romulan like i think we they all to crime see, lords well that was the idea like the crime lords of various races would come joint we come to DS9 to, like, join together. To How come we don't see more Klingons that aren't associated with the Klingon government? I guess they're all, like, I guess they just get to legally be, like, pirates, but you think you'd see more, like, we do outlaw the, um, Klingons. Well, we do the next season, like, when the episode with um, um, the guy tries to steal Dax, the symbiote. He has, like, two, like, rogue Klingons. Oh, okay. Like, his mercenaries. Oh, fair enough. And they even like mentioned like Quark, you know, like O'Brien's like, hey, but haven't you heard of the Federation and Klingons and allies? And he like spits. Oh yeah, because it's like Tubok. Well, not Tubok, but like the guy who plays Tubok. It's one of the Tim Klingons Russ. And spits on, I spit on the alliance. Yeah, he played a couple. I think roles his name's before. Tim Russ. Yeah, he played a couple roles. Like he was um one of the terrorists in like the Die Hard yeah. episode uh, where Picard's like on the, the Picard on does the, the next. He, Picard does the the uh, the pressure point. The, the Vulcan trick, Vulcan nerve pinch on him. Yeah, and he's also on the um, Enterprise B in the prologue to Generations. Yeah. Good old Tuvok. Remember when Picard had a crossbow? That was cool. I haven't seen that. I had to see that episode again. I haven't seen that. He goes and he finds Worf's crossbow. Worf have a crossbow? He did in that episode. Been cool to see him use it more. It's a dishonorable form of combat. <laughs> Long-range weapons. Worf's a melee character. So anyway, yeah, this is a pretty good app. It's the it's it's a good app. It's it sets up many great episodes to come. Yeah, I think it'd be interesting to watch all the Ferengi episodes in a row. That's a good idea. Oh, one thing I did. It's a little thing I liked. It was like. I guess you could say it's like they're not making they can say like Rom is like still not okay. It's just I like how to have the end like when you know we're gonna kill Quark. Quark says, "Ooh, I should bring a Davo girl." But like, oh no, you shouldn't. I kind of have to interesting because like there's no reason they're just doing that to save the Davo girl's life because like I mean there's no reason the plan couldn't work. They would just kill the Davo girl where else? But I kind of thought that was interesting. They're like considering they're both like the villains that they kind of like make that effort just so like because like oh we want to kill Quark, we don't want to kill anyone else. Well, that also that was... complicates the crime and raises... Well, I don't know. I don't think it would have worked, made a difference. Like, just if there was a dabble girl in there with Quark. Eh, okay. <laughs> Big, right? But yeah, I don't know. I just, I like the idea that, oh, it... and I guess it can help with, you know, because, like, oh, Rom's... 
And it does see him also, there's like, it's where Rom, um, earlier where Rom, like, says, like, can I have a bar? Like, he's just, like, kind of, like, does see, like, he's only doing this, like, he doesn't really, which is kind of help the idea that he doesn't really want to do this. You could see this as, like, the last, yeah, the last ditch effort of Rom to try and hold on to his Ferengi pride and, and try to do what he thinks a good Ferengi would do. And basically from this point onward, he, he embraces, uh, more federation ideals or at least just not being uh yeah he's just a broken a man after yeah. this because oh, he does get it's good for him because quirk like actually rewards him for, for or at least like positive like reinforcement for doing it yeah he promotes him oh yeah i don't mention that although i don't think he mentions that promotion gets a pay, it involves a pay raise though there's the the mention that when ferengi die they're remains are vacuum desiccated and then sold on the on the market which i thought was a cool idea i always wonder why they were green why the desiccated yeah. remains are green I, I you'd think they'd be like brownish reddish maybe that cranky skin like turns green after because I, I think we see ferengi that. blood i think it's red right huh when do we see ferengi blood Maybe I'm wrong. I just feel like at some point you must, but... Google search Ferengi blood. Oh, no, I'm going to get proven wrong. It's green. It's, like, always green. No, I think just Vulcans are green. Everyone oh. else is red. Oh. That, oh, that's right, Vulcan, because, yeah, we see Klingon blood in Star Trek. Because Vulcan blood is, like, <laughs> is it's it's uh, not iron-based, it's copper-based? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I just I just searched and uh, some some interesting stuff came up. One is just the article for blood on Memory Alpha. Which <laughs> I, I love these I, like the wikis that just have it's just like a thing. But there's like the in universe yeah. explanation for what it is. Milk is a secretion from. A, <laughs> like, yeah. Like I think I saw like a link on one that it was it was like at the end of every article they have like you know like mentioned subjects in this episode. And a lot of them, like the pages aren't created yet, but you gotta love that they put the link anyway, just for in case for the future the page does get created. And it's like thigh, like <laughs> you're gonna have the page for for thighs in the Star Trek universe. Yeah. On StarTrek.com, the Ferengi database says that Ferengi blood is yellow, although I'm turning dark blue green when oxidized. Oh. Maybe that's the explanation. Okay, is that alpha or beta canon? It's on StarTrek.com. Oh, that's that's as well, that's as primary of a source as you can get. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I like the how they sell their remains because it's it comes into play in I think my favorite Quark episode. Oh yeah, that might be my favorite. Well, that's more of a Quark episode than a Ferengi episode. I think that might be my favorite Ferengi episode though. Yeah, I, re I really like that one when it comes to it. That's a yeah. while, though. That's, that's not for a long time. So we haven't talked about the other episode at all, The Vortex. Yeah. Um, does anyone, either you want to describe the plot of that episode? Uh, let me remember the plot for a second here. <laughs> all right, Vortex. Croden. Croden. You're right, Croden. Okay. So in the Vortex, our next episode, a mysterious traveler named Croden appears on the station. And around the same time, a uh, deal that Quark is, is doing with some uh, aliens that I can't remember. This, the Miradorn. The Miradorn. Uh, deal goes wrong with them. Croden, the mysterious traveler comes in and uh in the process of trying to hold them up for the artifact that quirk is uh, attempting to sell or attempting to buy rather yeah it's some kind of egg yeah it's always an egg uh <laughs> <laughs> it's always some kind of jeweled egg uh he kills one of the miradorn brothers and that sets off kind of uh an investigation that Odo has to do. Uh, well, they take Croden into custody, obviously, and uh, he has information about Odo and his species, which uh, leads Odo down a bit of a rabbit hole of being dependent on this untrustworthy guy. Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's, uh, it's an Odo app. 
Yeah. You it's an Odo app, and like most Odo apps, he ends up getting on a runabout going to someplace. He should get good at that runabout. He's he's always in it. He doesn't own it. It's not his. <laughs> in this one, he's like he he mentioned something like, oh, I'm a security chief, not a combat pilot. But by the end of the show, he really should be a combat pilot. He's in that thing constantly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I notice his makeup is is already pretty pretty consistent with later later appearances I, the first few episodes he was like he kind of looked really old i don't know yeah. i guess i guess uh much more Rene human, like, solid i feel he like. looks more human in the early episodes because he kind of just he kind of looks like an old man his, his um his weird features and kind of his like lack of a face is like less pronounced and it becomes yeah. more so um which is nicer i like it more he looks what his like weird a, features? A, a, yeah, I like his weird features. I don't like when he just looks like a Skeletor old man. <laughs> yeah, it's like a regular dude. So yeah, that that's different. I I wonder what made them change the their deal on that. They wanted him to be cuter. That's probably for the viewers a good plan. at home for the 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 ladies. <laughs> they 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 uh they decided that Odo was their uh, uh romantic lead. <laughs> Oh man, Odo romance. It's coming up. Probably the probably the best part of the series. Oh, definitely. The it, I thought the 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 idea that the Miradorn were, or at least these twin Miradorn were, like a special case in their species where they basically like can't live without the other one. I, I wonder why they introduced that concept in in an episode like this, which is like mostly about something not related to that i guess you know they felt like just it would be more and more interesting than just like oh he was my friend or brother or whatever it's like oh yeah. it's like a special case like we're like one half i guess like yeah it's, two- it's better it's better than just you know normal normal revenge story but I, I he just flat out says like i'm gonna spend the rest of my life trying to kill you i'm gonna kill you directly threatens him and then they just like let him stay there and hang around and have his ship there and and scan all the ships for the guy he wants to murder that seems like bad security seems like you should bar him from the station at least yeah there's so much of that on this show where there's just like so many things that odo could just be like you know how about just leave or like in fact you just threatened to kill me, so I'm going to contact your people and get them to come arrest you. Well, they threatened to kill Croden, not Odo. Well, yeah, but that's still threatening the murder yeah. of somebody. I guess maybe because they felt like Croden's in, like, protective custody, so they figure, well, we, we'll be able to keep him from... So I guess maybe that's their thinking, like, oh, Croden's going to be, like, in jail, so we can protect him there. Croden. What'd you think of Croden? I liked him. I thought he was a interesting character. And I like yeah, his like way his little relationship with Odo. I liked him too. He's, he he kind of had like a like a weird like wacky trickster kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would say, say because this was um again according to memory alpha, this was kind of like inspired by a 1953 western by Anthony Mann, The Naked The Naked Spur, which I watched you know um, last week. Be- you know, because what I've been meaning to watch, and also because I felt like, oh, see what the similarity is. And it's mostly, I guess, it is a kind of the relationship between Crode and Odo, which kind of mirrors the relationship between kind of Jimmy Stewart, who plays a, um, kind of basically a mercenary who's going, trying to get this criminal played by Robert Ryan back. And the criminal is kind of very much like that, where Jimmy Stewart kind of, kind of like, he talkative, kind of like, trying to manipulate a way. Although ultimately, it's, were pretty different and especially the Croton is much nicer than the villain in this movie in the movie turns out the yeah is like basically the villain and he's like he's not like doesn't turn out he's trying to rescue his daughter or anything Star Trek's always like that the the villains are never like actually just bad there's always there's always something like this and yeah usually in the best cases there are yeah so what did what else did you notice based on that story versus this one? Um, not much. I mean, that was basically the only thing. I mean, they're pretty different. I think I think it was like it's more of like inspired rather than like an adaption or anything. The movie's pretty good if you 
wants to see it. I did find it was interesting that um, what Cronin says about changelings, and I think this is the first time we have made the show use the term changeling, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It that, like... Actually, Odo like freaks out whenever the guy calls him, whenever Cronin calls him a changeling, because you know it just implies that his species has a name. Yeah, and also like the way he describes like I was thinking it's interesting that so I'm guessing they haven't like I think like they've said they can see the Dominion like during like between seasons when working on season two. So I find it interesting that Ian Bow Tenging it, it does sound a lot like especially what he says about like, oh the changelings are, you know, known for justice and stuff and that they were persecuted. So that I find it interesting that kind of stuff. Ianbo it turns out we have a lot of reason to distrust of what he says, like at the end kind of matches up what we later do find out about Odo's people. Yeah, even the even the thing that he was talking about, how they lived on a planetoid in a nebula, ended up being the one that they go to isn't where his people are, but that's actually where they end up being later on. It would make sense. Uh, he's, he's from the Gamma Quadrant. Even if they're not, like, directly ruled by the Dominion or you know, certainly they'd, they'd hear tell of, of this kind of stuff, rumors. Yeah, especially yeah. since later on in in the series they say that the Dominion has been around for like 10,000 years or something. So, the rest of the episode... Odo gets knocked out by a rock, and even though he's a slime man... Yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> a like, rock oh, falls on him, Odo and he gets knocked, gets knocked out, out <laughs> and he has to get carried out. I thought that was weird. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. I mean... Plus, if Odo like lost consciousness, wouldn't that... He, he like reverse to his like substance because isn't like that kind of like an effort or something? Yeah, I I, I didn't even notice that. Like, <laughs> I guess there's just so much stuff like that in the in the show that you know you you just it, it just passes through you because you don't even think about it. I, I I'm I can accept that getting knocked unconscious doesn't automatically make Odo revert to a puddle of slime because like I, I I can I can accept that like. It, changing is more involved than that but i don't understand how getting hit in the head by a rock makes him fall unconscious because i don't think he has like a brain or any nerves or (laughs) yeah so i mean maybe he does maybe maybe the process of becoming something is more than just the but surface. But I think he gets like scanned by Bashir like multiple times in the series. Like, yeah, you don't have anything. You're just a morphogenic matrix. <laughs> morphogenic matrix. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's important. Another important thing is okay. This is Star Trek power battles. We need to form power tiers. That's one of the most important parts of any media is knowing which characters would win in a fight. Okay. Definitely. Is Odo. Does he have super strength? It seems like he does. Does he stronger than Data? Ah, uh, well, in an arm wrestling match. Well, I saw because I'm watching. Um, I recently watched like Heart of Stone, and well, it's not strength, but he does like cover Kira from like the landslide by like turning into like gelatinous, basically like a, sh- a shield over her, basically. Oh yeah, they ripped. It doesn't that hurt off him. In Guardians of the Galaxy. It doesn't seem like it hurt hurt him. Oh, they did? It didn't seem like it. I don't think it did. Yeah, the Tree Man Groot turns into a shield just like that. Oh, yeah. But yeah, Odo always seems like he's like the security guy, and he has like basically like superpowers compared to everyone else. But um, he's also like simultaneously a weak old man. He never like... It seems like he should be able to do like Dulcine-esque punches across the room and stuff. Yeah. He never does that. <laughs> later on the what's his name the the other changeling that shows up that yeah. Boss? Yeah, that guy. He he does he does stuff like that. Doesn't he like he like stabs some guy just by like yeah, making he, a knife he turns out of him. into like well he he well he can do all kinds of stuff like turn into like steam and fire and fly around in space. Like however that works. Yeah, like so I, I accept that like like it is, it's canon that like Odo sucks at shape shifting. Basically, he can't he can't make a face. He can make he can become objects, but he's not really that great. And and when he goes back to the changelings, they're kind of like, oh, you you don't know your true potential. Because obviously, the real changelings can mimic people's faces perfectly. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, I think maybe pre Great Link, Odo might not be that great versus Data. Maybe post Great Link, Odo. You think he could, could like could be formidable? So you think he like turns up to a liquid bow and guy go into Data and like mess up his circuits? I don't know. He would have to become pretty thin of a stream to get in there. Yeah, I, I would assume that Data's mostly waterproof. I don't think Data could defeat Odo, but I don't know if Odo could defeat Data, if that makes sense. If they were both going purely on, on the defensive, if he just became a puddle, I don't think Data could really do anything. Yeah. It might, it might be a, more like a draw situation, but it, it, it also depends on... We're saying, like, Data on his own, like, without, like, a phaser or whatever, because... Obviously not with a phaser, because you can just blow up Odo with a phaser, as we'll yeah. see later. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you can just blow them up. It's really funny. <laughs> I think it would really depend on the situation that they were in. Like, what kind of room that they're in. Ah, the battlefield. Yeah, if they're, if they're in just, like, a blank room, like a holodeck or something, with, with like, a holodeck that's turned off. The training know, that stage. Might... Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. That's basically it'd, be like, it'd be like a, it'd be like a Sherlock Holmes, if Data would challenge him in the Sherlock Holmes thing. Ah, uh, yes. I, I think Data would have the advantage there. Um, I think Odo would have the advantage if it took place on, on the promenade, because he knows the area. Um, on a Borg cube, I think they would go to Data. Yeah. This is important, important to know. Really, I mean, I think Data's a lot smarter than Odo. Definitely. So Data could just be like, oh, well... You know, he would come up with a solution to how to kill Odo, like, pretty instantly, and then do it. Um, he, he could probably just modify some kind of emitter in his body to generate heat beam and, like, turn him to dust or whatever. I don't think Data ever does heat beams. <laughs> I don't remember that. Well, he probably could. Well, I don't know. If he could, you think Lore would have done that? Yeah, Lore definitely would have had heat beams. Are you kidding me? <laughs> If Laura could do that kind of stuff? I don't know. It, it just seems possible, right? How come Laura never, like, modded himself out to be, like, a like a cyberpunk nightmare? That, that would be, be cool. Like, I, it should have done that for the move for Nemesis. That should have been Nemesis. Like, Laura, like, puts his head on, like, a giant Gundam or something. <laughs> ah, that would be so sick. <laughs> that would be pretty good. <laughs> Laura piloting the crystalline entity? The crystal uh, entity is just the power source. That's how huge and powerful this this mecha is. It's just like the heart of it is the crystalline entity. This this needs to happen. Who can we hire to model this in in three D? They have to out. You see, then then the Federation has to ally with the Borg, and the Borg build a giant mecha for Data to pilot. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's a lot cooler than whatever movies they're coming up with right now. Definitely. I feel like it's it's probably probably worth visiting the the subject of who would win in a fight between the DS9 characters. The the Ferengi strength is never really kind of touched on, but it looks like they're they're usually pretty stout. I think they have about human level strength. I don't think they're I don't think they're they don't seem to have enhanced strength like a Klingon or a Vulcan. Yeah, they seem to yeah. be about human level for a human of their height and build. They, they like I, this might just be specifically Quark because obviously we see like Ferengi, like you know, like uh, assassins and like bru bruisers types, but like Quark seems to come out uh, not on top in every physical altercation he gets in. <laughs> But that might just be Quark as a as a wimp. I relate to that. As, as a huge wimp myself, I, I I relate to Quark. But who would win in a fight? I mean, barring Odo, I think Odo, of just the DS9 main cast, kind of has it in the bag. Are they yeah. armed? Or is this? I mean, all, you, only you gotta hand assume hand. that they're not armed. Okay. Yeah, not armed, it would have to be Odo, and I guess second would be genetically Worf. enhanced Bashir. Uh, well, yeah. 
Well, maybe. Odo, Odo Wharf, Bashir. Odo Wharf, Bashir, and then it's anyone's game. Yeah, pretty much anyone. Keiko. Else. Enraged Keiko. <laughs> Yeah, it's an important thing I've read on, on forums. Like, you have to specify that they're bloodlusted, which means they'll stop at nothing and be out of character. So a bloodlusted Keiko, I think, comes up pretty high at the top. Bloodlusted. What what forums are you reading? Um, You know, character battle forums. It's just normal stuff. Okay. Important character literature. Character battle forum. <laughs> bloodlusted. What? <laughs> what? Uh, I just, I, I wasn't, I wasn't aware that this is like a, this is a real term. I don't bring anything fake or false. I don't bring any fake news to this podcast. I appreciate that. Well, I, I've just opened up a, a new world of info, a new world of of uh, quasi non-canon. Are Cardassians um, stronger? Are they strong? They seem about human level too. Yeah, I never really got the impression that Cardassians were that strong. I mean, I, I know that they can't handle the cold. That's kind of pathetic. Because they're like reptile people. Yeah. But they probably don't get overheated, you know, in like the desert too. So it balances out. This is riveting. <laughs> yeah. The ending, yeah, the ending redeems Croden. Because it, it turns out later on that Croden is doing all this stuff so he can go back and save his daughter, who's who he left on a, in a stasis chamber on some asteroid in a nebula. In a dangerous cave on the asteroid that is going to fall at any second and just crush the stasis chamber. <laughs> oh, wait, no. Or did it start exploding because he was shooting it? I, I don't. I don't remember. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll go with the Croden's an idiot thing because it's funnier. So what's Croden's deal? He's from like a fascist planet or or like a yeah, like it's like I guess some. I don't explain it really. But yeah, it, just, it seems to be some like yeah, some kind of like dictatorship where I guess like you're not allowed to say speak against the government or whatever. Well, they imply he's a thief and like a like a well-known criminal or not. Oh, well, yeah, well, he's like a career criminal. But then no, it's they... like, oh no, I was sent off my planet for, for no reason, uh, for just trying to protect my family. Yeah, that's so what So is he said. a thief or is he a good guy? I don't know. I think he's a good guy. I think the, the thief might, I don't remember. I think that may have been like a, a lie or something. Yeah, but when Cisco meets with like the guy from the government, yeah, he basically says, yeah, he spoke against the government. Well, I don't know if he said, but that's what Crohn does. He said he's, a, he's, a, he's an enemy of the people. Yeah. But why do you want to steal the thing from the Miradorn? Because, I guess it's because that was Quark's like because yeah they say that was like he was colluding with quark on it so he is a thief yeah well i don't think he's well i think he was a thief like for that but i don't think like he did before you think he was forced into it yeah i think that was like he made a deal with quark in exchange for quark helping him with what no it was like daughter or something yeah i i think that there are some details about the whole like quark situation that weren't really explain because like quark and rom are afraid that they're going to get found out about something i, I can't remember what it is but the, they they're like afraid that the mirador are going to come back and kill them because because Cro of they were involved with croton yeah and so yeah oh, I, I like i actually i like that part kind of where it's like you know like uh Oh well, Odo's on the runabout, so maybe they'll just kill both of them, and then both of our problems will be gone. And then Quark's like, "No, Odo's just gonna." Or yeah, no, wait. So like, yeah, they say like Quark's like, "Oh, Quark, Odo Quark will give him up." Quark basically says like, "No." Quark says that Odo will never give him up. It's 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 Rom that says like, "Oh, oh no, if if uh, if Quark gives up uh, Croden, then that he's gonna blab about us, and they're gonna come back and kill us." But. Uh, yeah, Quark is like, no, Odo would never give up his his uh, captive, which I thought was like, you know, like a Quark, uh, Quark understands and respects Odo. And I kind of got this sense that he didn't want him to die, which is sweet. That is sweet. You didn't want Odo to get blown up, even though it would make his life easier. Quark's a good guy. Yeah. What else? What else happened? What else happened? My notes on this are pretty thin. I have, you want to hear my notes? What? The Miradorn were screening every ship, and then I have a bullet called Odo, 
<laughs> and then I have a bullet called Odo gets knocked out by a rock but doesn't revert. And those are my notes. That's a good note. I mean, I, that, I definitely didn't didn't think about that at all, and it doesn't make any sense. And I wonder why they didn't do something about that. That at the end of the episode, some Vulcans show up, and presumably having in the Gamma Quadrant stealing homework. <laughs> yeah, I like and... the I like when the Vulcans show up. They're not in this show much. We also saw a Vulcan in the last. We saw like a sexy. Vulcan lady that Quark and Nog check out. Yeah. They stare at her ass as she walks away in a bodysuit. I guess she's probably descended of a. T- What's the name of the Vulcan woman on Enterprise who's wearing the cat suit? T'Pol. Yeah, she's probably like T'Pol's descendants. Yeah, the Vulcans are cool. I, I they didn't really they didn't really talk about the Vulcans much in TNG either, except for for Sarek, Sarek. And other than that, they did, they didn't really do a whole lot with them. But I guess they felt like the Vulcans are like so identified with like. You it? Yeah, but yeah. they think they're like, well, they'll be there just so people like know, oh, this is Star Trek. And so, like, they'll be there. It, they'll seem, but they're not going to, like, I guess it wasn't until, like, yeah, Voyager and Enterprise that they felt like, okay, it's been all enough. Let's, like, go back and make the Vulcans, like, important again. I think yeah. so, like, the Vulcans are kind of played out by that point. Like, you've done everything you can with them. They're not that complicated. Yeah. They well, like every logic. Vulcan... There's already a logic character in TNG. Deep Space Nine has other more interesting aliens. They they don't need yeah. Vulcans. The Vulcans are really only prominently show up as uh, assholes in Deep Space Nine in the baseball yeah. episode. I've like noticed yeah. it. it seems like every aside from Leonard Nimoy and Mark Leonard, the you know who plays um Spark's dad, like every else seems to play the, a Vulcan as just like you know an an asshole who's barely like constraining their like content for any. For humans and non-Balkans, is Tuvok an asshole? I, I haven't seen Voyager. Can be. Okay. He's, uh, well, he's, he's, a, he's a likable character. I like Tuvok. But yeah, it seems like does seem like the majority of Vulcans are like, and like at least if people play them as yeah, they just play them as like, but not. It seems like most people don't know how to play a Vulcan as like ever been in like as like kind of an asshole. Yeah, it's just the whole stereotyping, like thing that happens on star trek where yeah. ev- everyone in any race is just like a caricature of the qualities that that race I, is supposed to I have think just every like one-off character in star trek is just an asshole yeah <laughs> really if you're if that's a one every one-off character in star trek is pretty much universally an a- yeah. pain in the ass they're, they're yeah, there to be dude. difficult they're there to be secretive and cause problems and not tell you about the gimmick of their race and and be obstructive. Yeah. They're, they're always they're always assholes. Yeah. yeah, there's never just like a random character that's a nice guy that walks up and is like, hey, hi, I'm from well, Claystron 4, and I I guess there was that. I just um, wanted to give you guys a high five. See you later. The Darmok alien cap. Well, he was I mean, he was kind of like the stuff you said, but he was also he didn't seem like an asshole at least. An asshole, yeah. but he was kind of difficult about it. Yeah, but I think, like, it was, like, the way, I mean, he was trying to, like, and he did, like, pay for his own life, so. But, yeah, you're right, that is pretty much every alien in, like, Star Trek, like, just, you know, he was like, hey, can we communicate, like, establish communication in some normal way? And we're like, no, we're gonna do it by putting you in, like, this replica of, like, the Wild <laughs> West or ancient China or something, and... <laughs> You can we're figure gonna, it all out. We're going to make you play Shap. We're going to shrink you down and put you into Shap. Reading about Klingon blood on, on Memory Alpha. Well, they've got Does red blood, blood right? wine actually have blood in it? Blood wine? No. I'm assuming it does. Yeah. I, I, feel thought like it was blood, I thought it was the blood of Targs. Yeah. I've, I mean, I feel like if Klingons are saying it, like, I mean, whatever races, I think, okay, maybe that's its name. But if Klingons call something blood wine, I feel like... There must be some blood in it. I don't know what percentage. Now, I'm looking at blood wine now. Blood wine was... Yeah, it doesn't really say anything. Yeah, it doesn't say that it's ever confirmed whether it has blood in it. Well, until, until it's confirmed it's not. It's made out of Ica berries. Ica berry, wow. Like the Ica berry tort. Wow, I can't believe you remembered that. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> 
Has he ordered the Ico Berry tort yet in the show? No, that's in season two, right? Is that that's the one where that's the, what, the first episode that mentions the minion, right? The only fact woman who's pretending to be a male. Oh, I don't know. That's something Berry, may not. No, Tula Berry. Tula Berry. Yeah, one. Tula Berry. That was Tula <laughs> Berry. It's different from the Ico Berry tort that Cisco orders at the Replimat. <sighs> Fucking noobs. <laughs> uh, Tula Berries, Ico Berries, tort. Is it supposed to be like tart? No, a tort. <laughs> oh, Star Trek. Yeah, Odo smiles at the end of Vortex. Is that the first time he smiles? Yeah. Or he smiles in like a non. Maybe. He might have smiled in like one of a, but like smiling like a smug, like when he gets quarked. Like kind of the way when he thinks he's got quark, he kind of smiles that way. This might be the first time he like does a genuine, like nice smile. He does a big like peanuts smile. <laughs> yeah. It's really cartoony because of his. And the like, the little girl doesn't react to him at all. It's like, what is this creepy thing doing? <laughs> Thanks for joining us this time. Uh, next time we will be discussing the episodes Battle Lines and The Storyteller.